yo it's allison i'm so stoked to come to you guys today um we have our first musical guest like is your girl a dj i don't know anybody who knows me knows that i'm a music snob i take music really really seriously i actually come from a long line of music snobs and musicians um but i'm really excited that i was connected with our guest today her name is michaela um, and she is a part of a music group called hot lives they're based out of tennessee nashville to be exact and yeah we get to talk about being black being queer in the south and sometimes what happens when you're socialized as a girl and when you're socialized within a religious black family um and i don't know it was a really honest conversation not everything is squeaky clean and perfect um, but I really appreciate Michaela's honesty and willingness to share uh, what it was like growing up. Um, their music is really dope. I I don't know if the category is like psychedelic. Some, I don't know. There's some category for it. She talks about it in the podcast. But I'm going to try to drop a little clip of it right now so y'all can hear what it's like. And then you can hear from the person themselves. All right. Enjoy this clip and we'll get into the podcast right after this. I'm gonna be honest with you those little 30 seconds don't actually do this song justice and let me tell you if I thought the song was whack I just would have skipped it completely like I would have just said oh we have a musical guest and wouldn't even drop this song I actually really 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 enjoy this song so please check it out on Spotify or on Apple Music um this is not sponsored in any way shape or form but I actually think it's just a really cool song and sent it to a lot of friends so um you won't be disappointed but like I said, we're going to get into the interview now. Uh, welcome to Sherry Ave. Okay, cool. Well, Michaela, welcome to Sherry Ave. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Um, I was telling Michaela earlier, this is my first time doing an interview with someone that is a mutual friend, not someone I have long history with. And so I'm really excited to chat with you and kind of hear your story and archive your story as a queer person. And... I think this is kind of what we do at bars or when we meet friends or friends of friends, you eventually kind of ask these questions or see these things and build relationships. So I'm excited to do this with you in this way. So thanks for hitting me up and being persistent and wanting to come on. I appreciate it. No, thanks it. to Allie for even messaging me and saying, hey, my friend wants to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our good friend Allie connected us and Allie will also be on the show hopefully very soon when I can track her down and get her on. Uh, cool. So, Michaela, will you tell us where you are and a little bit about yourself, pronouns, how you identify, and what you do for work, and all that stuff? So. Yeah. Um, my name is Michaela, obviously. She just said that. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and I am from Nashville. I'm, I, I feel like I'm a little unicorn, is what I've been told, because I was born and raised in Nashville, and I'm also a musician. I didn't move here for music. I just have yeah. to be from the city where you make it. 
Right. Um, and for professional work, I work for a company called Lyft. You might not have heard of it. Yeah, I never. I don't think so. I don't so. know about them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I work for that company. And uh, out, like outside of that, I do music, obviously. But that's pretty much it for the most part. What's funny is I have I have only heard your voice via music and oh. <laughs> you you dropped a single, you know, was it a month ago now? Probably about a month ago. Almost. The 20th yeah. be like a full month. Yeah. And Ali, our friend Ali posted it and I was like, okay, let me, I'll get to it. I'll check it out. And then I listened to it and I honestly, this is not because you're right here. I play it on <laughs> loop. I play it on loop and I am a music snob, like notorious music snob. It's funny you're saying that about being a musician in Nashville. My family is full of musicians and lives in LA, but always was from LA and lived there. So it wasn't like they moved to LA to to start making stuff happen. So I understand that being from a place where music's all around and people are doing those things, but your your music's awesome. So I hope to put a little plug you know, in the end. And I can't wait. I cannot wait for the new, the new song. Hey, I'm just waiting for it. June 28th. So June 28th. Okay. Friday, I think it's next Friday. It might be just wrapping up pride month, you know, <laughs> Basically. Wrapping it, yeah. Wrapping it up. Right. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So you work for Lyft, you're a musician. What's your, can I ask your age? Oh yeah. I'll actually be 30 on July 2nd. So less oh. than one away. <laughs> Are you, you're cancer? Yeah. What are you're, you? Yeah. I'm a Sagittarius. You give very Sagittarius vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, dated two cancers in my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm we're sorry. just gonna, a lot of emotions. There's a lot of feelings happening. Oh, and... I know it. My girlfriend's a Capricorn. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Capricorns are known for not being emotional at all. So. Yes, this is correct. Yes, this is correct. Well, good for you. All good. Um, how would you identify? Um, I identify as a lesbian, um, just based on my dating experience, Okay. but, um, you know, hope, hopefully this relationship doesn't ever end because, you know, th- that's it. And my girlfriend is a, a woman and she identifies yeah. as female, but you know, if we weren't together, then I think I'd be open to other things too. I, other I things. Never, yeah. I just never, ever explored that far. So yeah, sure. Yeah. I've been talking to a lot of friends more often when I first came out, I was saying queer, um or gay felt more comfortable and lesbian seemed to just feel weird to me and now just in the last couple years I've been like no I'm a lesbian like yep that's that is what it is but I just didn't want to negate any previous attractions that I had had towards other gender identities and but you know I feel good about that (laughs) I feel good about that in this stage of my life so yeah and it's wild because um I think majority of the women that I did date in the past were more majority bisexual so I don't Mm -hmm. think I've ever even been with a lesbian really yeah yeah totally me as well you're here you sent me some really great photos of your childhood and um yeah I would love for you to share your first photo the first photo will be this because you liked it this basketball (laughs) photo of me we played for the Gators back in 2001 I was probably like nine or ten at this point I hadn't had my birthday yet but um oh my god Man, I, I that was a weird age because I remember that my mom used to want to dress me up all the time. My mom is very feminine. She's very, mm-hmm. very prissy and delicate and likes things to be a certain way. And you wear perfume and you wear dresses. And this was around the age where I I wanted to start playing basketball because I didn't want to do girly things. And I didn't yeah. up in 
you know, dresses. I remember Easter, I was always wanting to wear a pantsuit. So if they could find me a pantsuit, then I'd be golden. But if they couldn't find me a pantsuit. And I'd they were looking, they would look, you would ask for a pantsuit. Oh, my mom knew. I, I remember because if I, if she tried to look for dresses, I would make sure that there was a, like an option that had the pants. Cause you know, back in the day when you were younger, there was a shirt that matched a specific skirt. Yes. And it matched yes. A skirt, had a pants. So for sure. Look a little more feminine. You could wear the skirt with it or the pants. And I was like, you better get me those pants. <laughs> So that and then and Easter's a big deal. I mean, oh. I think anytime if I was ever arguing with my family about what I was gonna wear to church or what we were gonna do, you know, Easter, you just kind of let it, it's like, okay, all right, it's Easter, yeah. you know. Yeah. And this actually this past year is the first year I didn't wear any dress sort of dress. Maybe two years ago is the first time I didn't wear a dress um to Easter. And it was like, but I even still felt like maybe I should be wearing one. It's kind of, you know, it's hot, you know. I don't know, yeah. maybe I should want to wear one, but how yeah. cool even that young you were saying yeah I think I want a pantsuit oh man and I couldn't figure it out for the life of me I just knew that I was always saying I wanted to wear pants I didn't want to wear a skirt or a dress and when my mom made me put them on I remember being so upset about it man and, but then I was also still very delicate and sensitive I don't know what it was about because <laughs> I remember one specific game we played basketball you know when uh you get the ball and you hold it and play yes. at some point where you it's like a foul jump ball yeah yeah so I was holding the ball and we only played against boys teams for some reason and okay. this kid came over and completely just snatched the ball out of my hand and then he went back this way and hit me in the stomach and I fell and I had the wind knocked out of me I will never forget that and that was <laughs> the moment so I was like okay so I'm definitely identifying as a girl in this moment because I feel like I'm being overpowered unnecessarily you I just weren't enjoying the roughhouseness I of wasn't. that yeah yeah so, yeah. So my, yeah and so it's really weird that even though I still had that masculine kind of need I mm-hmm. I didn't really identify with the roughhousing or being you know more boyish or wanting sure. to play stereotypically boy sports or whatever yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So in your photo, I'm going to do a, a description. So you're standing with the Jersey on, you're holding a basketball to the side. Um, it's kind of one of those, like the graphics are very early two thousands, late nineties, like 2001, <laughs> like the Gators, um, which I love. I also love that you have it, that your parents paid for it. You know, oh, I man. think I have only like one or two photos that my parents actually paid for, for sports, but you know, those things are expensive. So oh, I, I think that's actually a playing card too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, oh. So, you know, back in the day, if, if you wanted to seem as if you were a legit athlete, they yes. could take your photo into a playing card. So you had a few that you could hand out to people. So that picture is a keep it in the wallet and then show yeah. the wallet. Exactly. Will the kids know about the pictures in the wallet? Like, will they know today about that? Like flipping through, like, here are what my kids look like, because oh, not everyone just shows you on your phone, but like yeah. parents would be like, this is my eldest and this is my three-year-old, you know, or it's my niece. I kind of want know. one of those vintage wallets just so I can have people's pictures with me. I know, right? This is honestly, this is a part of the project that I, me and my friend Lou were talking about is that kind of our generation um, and a couple of years below us are kind of the last generation of like fi- our, where our families have film photographs of us kind of ever, unless your family was like into that now and like gets them printed out mm-hmm. regularly, which I know that happens. It's still like mostly digital, it's still mostly online. And so what, what would that be like to have kind of all of our queer photos together in like a photo album or like a physical form eventually 
Um, and I know we're doing this as a, on a digital space, but I just think we're, yeah, we're one of the last, you know, few people of a generation of film photography. That was all the time. Wait, so. and what, how old were you at, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I'm 29. Yeah. Oh. So I'm, we're in the same age. I'm yeah. going to be 30 in December. Okay. Yeah. Same yeah. <laughs> I do. I do get it. I do get it. Okay. So you wanted to do more act- active things. How long did you play basketball for? Not that long. No, it was that one season. And I remember so specifically because after that kid hit me and I had the wind knocked out of me, I wanted to go sit down the rest of the day. <laughs> and my dad was so mad because I think he and my mom both paid for it. And he was yeah. yelling at me and he was like, why are you being such a baby? Get back in the game and you need to play and yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, you're not going to make me go back into the game. I'm sorry. No matter oh my God. how much you berate I'm not doing this. And, you know, <laughs> Absolutely and, not doing this. And now I recognize it as tough love. He was trying to get me to get back out there and not let that keep me from doing it. But sure. You know, hindsight is 2020. Now I'm, you know, yeah. a 30 year old human being who understands that and I can't go back in time and play basketball again. Sure. But you know, it wasn't, yeah. maybe what just wasn't for you. you it know? wasn't. <laughs> Was it was it for you? Um, where were you growing up at that time? What city were you in? Uh, I was still in Nashville. So um, a lot of people may know. I want to say if this was two thousand, I was nine. I was living in an area called Nippers Corner, which some people may not recognize what that is, and some people might. It's off of Edmondson Pike, and it's a really big community. It's kind of in between Brentwood and Antioch, almost is okay. where that location is set up. So yeah. It's a, it's a pretty relatively small, quiet community. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, next photo. <laughs> next photo, let's see. We're gonna do this one of me in overalls and I'm just kind of- Oh my gosh. With my cousin, Patrick. I don't know what he's doing with his foot. It's like right on top of the thing. Y'all are totally doing a pose. Yeah. So you're in some overalls, you're in some white sneakers, maybe mm-hmm. like a pinkish purple top. Up, yeah. And my hair is yeah. in a ponytail, I think, because there's another picture where we're actually sitting at the table. I think that Shoney's is where we are. And I honestly okay. don't really remember much about the picture itself, but that's definitely how I was. My, my younger cousin, if you zoomed out of the photo, my younger cousin, Trey is in it and he's really little. He's like four or three or something like that. Okay. And so I'm, I have to be probably about seven or eight, but around that age, that was still when I was kind of, you know, wanting to wear the pants suits and not really wanting to do anything feminine. And I remember all of my cousins, cause Patrick lived here at the time. And mm-hmm. so me, me and Patrick are five months apart. And he always wanted to do like boys things and play football. And my cousin Madison, I think was born at that time, but she wasn't old enough to play anything, but I only had boy cousins. So my cousin okay. was my only female cousin, but she would be, you know, running around the house with a purse on at like two years old. <laughs> and I would still be, you know, hanging out with the boys and rough housing and not really wanting to do anything feminine. I remember we had, uh, these you know the electric little cars the jeep mm-hmm. or the corvettes or whatever i had a little yeah. barbie. i had a barbie car so it was okay very but i was still trying to like drive it up and down the hill with the boys and play tackle football and get dirty and my sure. mom was upset because i looked really filthy majority of the time she's <laughs> <laughs> like what is wrong with this child like what is going on i mean 
And then that photo, I want to say I was living in North Nashville, which is actually where I'm from. It's a okay. called Bordeaux. It's probably supposed to be pronounced Bordeaux, like the French. French, city. yeah. We just call it Bordeaux. Bordeaux, okay. Yeah. Cool. What do you feel when you see that photo? This photo in particular, compared to the others, because this looks a little gayer than <laughs> the other one. <laughs> I, I think it's just the fact that, you know, most girls at that age are, you know, they're putting their hands on their hips or they're tilting their heads or something, or they're, mm-hmm. they're smiling. And I'm just acting like a dude just like. Thumbs up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And yeah, there are not a lot of photos where it, it's clear that I am gay, but that's definitely one of the few. <laughs> It feels like it's giving like Nickelodeon kid like pose, like, you know, like all that or like a mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, yeah. Where you guys, he's like turning his back and like, you know, leaning in and you're trying to lean in and. Oh man. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> I was feeling like when I saw some of my photos, I felt like I saw my, I saw myself now, like I could recognize myself in a way. Is there any type of feelings like that when you look back at some of those photos? There are in some of them just because um, my, my, I'm naturally a very broody person. I, I can be upbeat and happy when I talk to people, but in general, sure. my girlfriend always says that I'm very serious and I'm kind of moody in most okay. of my pictures. And so I will say the big, the consistent consistency across all of my photos from childhood up to now is that most of them, I do look moody still. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a little, little bit of that yeah. there's an attitude going on or a little something going on there Maybe. is which is yeah odd. yeah I don't think it's odd and it's really like people that show their emotions it's like you're showing how you're feeling or what you're doing and a lot of us don't do that or have to learn how to do that later you know True. well and yeah. I'm, more, I'm more so meant just because when I do smile I have a very big mouth so I have a very gummy oh. smile when I do smile Got so you. It's odd that most of my pictures I'm kind of broody and not really smiling but then in real life, my mouth is like, you're like huge. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. Great. Okay. Next photo. All right. The last one. If there's one extra one or bonus one you want to give, you can't this one right here. This one right here. I, this one is of me holding my little cousin, Matthew. And it's odd to say that he's going to be 21 years old next month. But, um, I, I don't remember if it was the day the same day I got the braids done, I want to say it was because we were at my grandmother's house and this was still in Bordeaux. Um, and I can't, I think Mia did my hair, my aunt's, my my mom's sister. And so she braided my hair all the way to the back just because I guess that was easier to manage. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. I walked out and everybody kept saying, I looked like Jermaine Dupree, which if if you're listening or watching this and you don't know who Jermaine Dupree is, look him up in the nineties and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and I remember just feeling so ugly because everybody Aww. kept telling me I looked like a boy, mm-hmm. but then, but I also d- didn't hate my hair. I don't, I don't remember hating it at all. Sure. And, but just yeah. them t- saying, like making the inference, like you look yeah. like this boy. Yeah. And we were in the car all the way to Atlanta because, uh, Mia had just given birth to Matthew. And so we went to go see him for the first time. And so that's why I'm holding him in the picture, but yeah, I still remember walking up the stairs and them putting him in my arms in that picture. Oh, wow. I, I just feel very masculine. And even in that picture, I'm not really smiling. That's yeah. It's another one of those moody things. Like maybe I started to notice something internally within myself. Like maybe I don't look like a girl or. You know. oh, yeah. 
you're wearing kind of like a white tee too and yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. do, maybe do you feel like all eyes being on you or being made fun of that that did that kind of hold you back or as well maybe sometimes um I'm also the oldest grandchild out of 12 I think of us or wow back in the day it was eight six or eight. Oh no, no no it was it was eight it was eight but okay. um, so back in the day it was like you know all eyes were always on me because I was the oldest grandkid and I always yeah to everybody else and look out for mm-hmm. everybody so you kind of don't want to disappoint anybody so I think in my mind I always felt as though I couldn't really be myself all the time mm-hmm. because they could kind of sense something was off with me maybe but I don't know I'm the eldest grandchild as well of yeah. eight yeah. and I'm I'm the eldest grandchild by like eight and ten years so there was definitely like that pressure or not seeing anybody else go before you and go through you know it's just kind of like the oldest child stuff that happens yeah. I'm the oldest you know child parents too. are a little bit more stricter you know and there's more rules or you think that there's more pressures than there actually are and then I remember coming out to my family and then they were just, you know, some people, it was really serious and other family members took it really well. And I'm like, well, you're welcome to the rest of the cousins, you know, yeah. like if y'all ever decide or are, or whatever, you know, I took that L because I didn't see any other queer people in our family, you know, before, but yeah. there's that, yeah, there's just that like extra pressure, I think for sure. And, you know, it's really odd because, um, I felt felt the same thing you were just talking about, but also at the same time, I didn't feel as weird only because when I finally did come out, I realized on my mom's side, my granny and her sister and her brother. So they like their three siblings, obviously they all have a gay grandchild. Oh, wow. There was me, there was my cousin, Travis. And then there's my cousin, uh, Brandon. Okay. I can't remember his name because we're, <laughs> we're, we don't live in the same city. I think he's in Washington. Sure. But um, yeah, it was just really weird. And we're all relatively close to the same age. So when I came out, it was just like, why was I so nervous about yeah. caring? My dad's family is not as accepting, but my mom's family is totally fine. Yeah. So. It's interesting how that goes sometimes, for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I always tell people, you know, when you get ready to come out, be, don't expect certain people's reactions to be a certain way. Cause you don't even know. Cause literally mom, you have no idea. Yeah, my mom's family was very religious. They never listened to rap music around us. My dad's family was very laid back and, you know, they listen to secular music and mm-hmm. in front of us. But when I came out, the reactions were opposite. So I thought yeah. my mom's family was going to be more upset than my dad's family, but like it was the opposite. So you can never predict it really. Some people you can, but you, really you can't. Yeah, really, you cannot. Um, one other question I would like to ask kind of about your childhood, what are the things that you'd love to do? So uh, maybe besides, you know, playing with, you know, the boys or the cousins or whatever, are there, were there any other particular things that you felt maybe were queer? You know, ish, when oh. you look back, you're like, oh, that was really queer. Or oh, absolutely. Okay. So, um, I used to have a crush on my principal when I was eight, but I didn't realize it was a crush. I just always yeah. remember she was so pretty. And she had this really long hair and she always curled it like these big coils. And then she would wear um, like the black stockings with the black heels. And then she wore one of those dresses that is all the way black, but then it has like buttons going all the way down the dress. And then it has cuffs right there. And yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. She wore that dress every now and then. I specifically remember her wearing that and she wore glasses and she was brown skin. And that's, he's felt that, away. Must, that must have started my like 
affinity for glasses or something because <laughs> I thought she was so pretty. And also her mother went to church with my dad's mom and okay. dad. So I would see her every now and then at the church, which would just make me light up because I was like, oh my oh, gosh, man. I need to see her. And as a kid, you just think, okay, I think she's really pretty and I want to be like her. But then as an adult, sure. I, I just really had a crush on her. Yes. Yeah. And then yes. 10 years ago, it was it 10 years ago? It was something like that. I was actually at the mall and I saw her at the mall, which of course she wouldn't have remembered me at all, but sure. Her, and she was still in perfect shape. Her body still looked the same. Her face still looked the same. I was like, it was so weird. You're like, dang, you Man, still look good. For real. And That's then, crazy. There's another one. Oh, I used to set my alarm when I was, I had to have been about nine or 10. So around the age I was when I was playing basketball. And I used to set my alarm at like two or three o'clock in the morning so that I could wake up and catch Charlie's Angels reruns because I had a crush on Jacqueline Smith. And so I remember that was my first celebrity crush. Like when people talk about celebrity crushes, that was my first celebrity crush was Jacqueline Smith. Um, And then, and my mom thought it was funny too. She was like, why is this child getting up in the morning just so she can watch a Charlie's Angels episode and then go back to bed? And then oh. another thing. That's dedication. That's dedication. Man, I, I was so obsessed. There's something else I feel like I remember watching. I used to watch a lot of Grease 2. I had a crush on Michelle Pfeiffer. Grease 2, deep cult classic. It is. A, actually, it is. Better than the first one. Um, this is what people say. This is what people well, say. I love Grease 1 down, like every, every single song. So Grease I love it. Has, has great songs, but Grease 2, the songs are a little bit more catchy, I think, and they're a little, sure. they, they can be a little more fun. And yeah. also it, when you think of it in terms of like mass, like toxic masculinity and all that in the first one, Sandy had to change, but in the second one, Max had to change for uh, Michelle. Okay. So see? Okay. I see. I see. Wait, that might not have been his name. It's Maxwell Caulfield as the actor. I forget his name in the movie. Whoever, whoever the boy name, whoever name he is. is. Yes. Whoever he is. Michael. That okay. was his name. I'm gonna Michael. give it another try. I'm gonna give it another try. I'm not really remembering the storyline too well. I think I've just was like dedicated. And not that I'm against sequels. I'm not against sequels because we all know Sister Act 2, one of the best sequels of all time. Yeah. Even Men in Black 2 is pretty good. You know, Men in Black 3, even. But mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give it an I'll I'll give it another try. You should give two. it another try. The songs are catchy and um the storyline is actually very interesting because Michael just comes to town from England and he doesn't really fit in, but he really likes Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Stephanie. And so he has okay. to kind of like become a little bit more rugged to get her attention because he's Got just you. clean cut. He doesn't have any there's nothing interesting about him. He's just a normal, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, howdy doody, just real. Mm got you got yeah. you okay i'll, I'll check yeah. it out yeah there's movies that i've looked back at now and i'm go, oh like <laughs> oh this i think like the flintstones oh man holly, holly berry jesus <laughs> holly berry was really fine in that movie which like it was super over sexualized and whatever but it was like oh oh this makes sense one. I remember another one, big. I had a crush on Elizabeth Perkins. Period. That is one of my so favorite fine. movies. 
that is she one of my so favorite fine in that movie. but i don't know if you ever caught it was kind of inappropriate at the end when he turned back into a kid and you realized that she had slept with a 14 year old that's kind oh of- no it's no it's completely inappropriate yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like totally gross like even as a kid I remember being like he's a kid like you know and he's like their whole sex scene I'm just like this is really weird this is really really weird weird, but yeah yeah, but it's also hilarious it's so good Mm -hmm. yeah I love the and Turner and Hooch is one of my favorites ever as well Tom Tom Hanks is a cop who has pretty extreme like OCD and like house is like kind of like germaphobe and he has to take on a dog like taking care of a dog that's like disgusting like the dog that has like really bad slobber everywhere and they're supposed to like solve a case this sounds corny but it's really good it's it's a great movie I I enjoy it bits and pieces of well at least seen people talk about it I didn't realize that that was what the movie was about though Mm -hmm. so yeah I might check that out then I like Tom (laughs) that probably should have yeah, sometimes I I would watch things if I thought somebody was attractive, even if the storyline was really asinine and just stupid. So there were clues. There were some clues. There were there were some clues. Okay, um, some of our last two questions. Uh, I'm gonna ask. Uh, yeah, was there a period of your life where you feel like you maybe started to change some of those pieces? of who you were, what you kind of naturally liked to fit a certain mold or, or what have you, do you know what age that maybe started? Um, I, I realized I was gay in high school because I used to, I was like obsessed with En Vogue a lot later than when they came out, obviously. And I had a big crush on Terry Ellis. And so, um, it was probably my freshman year when I started watching that and I was thinking, okay, maybe I just think women are, you know, pretty or whatever. Everybody thinks that. And then I got to my junior year and I was going to the prom and I asked my cousin to go with me. Mm. That should have been a clear indicator. But I told him on, well, to my family, I mean, cause I told him my prom night that I thought that I liked girls, but I wasn't sure. And oh. so ever since that moment, it, it felt weird to kind of declare that to somebody. And so after that, I kind of locked it back inside but I was also in the cheerleading squad in high school. Okay. So I had to be very careful. And even some of my friends that were on the squad with me, like my friend Chelsea, she was like, why didn't you tell us back in high school? And I said, because I didn't want y'all to look at me differently and think that I was into y'all because I wasn't looking at y'all like that. And I wasn't attracted right. to y'all. I really was friends with y'all. Um, so I would say high school was probably when I started to kind of hide things and acted as if I was interested in certain things, even though a lot of the girls I went to school with were watching the OC and One Tree Hill and I wasn't into that stuff. So... <laughs> Yeah, that was- I could care less. Oh my god, Gossip Girl! I could care less. I just could care less. Yeah. My girlfriend was like, "Oh my gosh, it's so good!" And I said, "I don't care for it." Um, but yeah, I think that was when I started realizing I was kind of changing who I was to fit in with other people. Sure. Yeah. Do you feel like there's? Yeah. What was the moment maybe where you started to reclaim that, or? It was probably when I came back home from high school because I mean, not from college, because I spent a year at um, Tennessee Tech and I was having a lot of like I was I had crushes on people that were there, the girls. But then I also had a, one boyfriend while I was there and right. I, another guy that I kind of dated, I guess. But um, it, it didn't really stick. And so then I came back home because I was miserable at mm. college by myself and I started to kind of talk to people and. I had never really met gay people before. Um, my my dad's brother was gay, but nobody ever really talked about it. And so yeah. I didn't even know a whole lot about him until after he died. Mm. And 
um, when I was working at Gap, I worked with this guy who was gay and it was my first time being around somebody who was gay. And I think yeah. that kind of opened it up. Well, no, I worked with two gay guys actually. And okay. Joe, he's still really awesome. I run into him every now and then in the gay scene, like if we see each other, but um, yeah, we, it was just weird seeing people who were gay and I was just like, okay. Because when you're younger, you're kind of afraid of it because of what you've been told. And so you don't mm -hmm. think that you can possibly be gay because you're supposed to be afraid of these people. Yeah. yeah. But then when you start kind of hanging around them a little more, like I said, this was still when I was 19. And then I finally came out and I came out to my brother and my little brother was, he was like, oh, you are? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And I was like, but don't tell anybody. And so he didn't say anything. And when I finally came out to my mom and I told her that I'd already told my brother, she looked at him and she was like, you knew you didn't say anything. And he was like, she asked me not to tell. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> he was so sweet. But um, yeah, that, so that's probably when I started to kind of reclaim it. And then I went to Atlanta for a year and a half because I wanted to be out and gay in a gay city, but that was mm -hmm. terrible. And I had a really terrible breakup with somebody there. And I came back mm. here and that's actually when I met Allie and hung out with that crew of people. And ever since I, I started hanging out at QDP, which is queer dance party here, it kind of introduced me to more of a gay scene and helped me realize, okay, I can be out and I can be gay. And my mom even was like, you need to watch the L word because I don't want you to think that just because you're gay, you have to, you know, wear boys clothes all the time and, and oh. be, you know, super masculine. Like there are different elements and different types of women that are gay. So mm -hmm. she didn't want me to just put myself in a box. Yeah. How did you, did you feel like that was her trying to protect you from being a box or do you think she still wanted, she was nervous about if you were going to be more masculine? I think it was a little bit of both um, sure. because when I cut, when I went natural, I had to cut my hair um, mm -hmm. because, you know, if, if you've ever transitioned after having a relaxer, you have to keep cutting your edges and, or your ends. And after a certain point, because you're working with two different textures, totally. it becomes really difficult to maintain it. And so when I went ahead and did the big chop and I sent her a picture and she told me that she called my brother and she was crying because I cut my hair. And I was like, mom, I said I was going to grow my hair back out. I just have to cut my, my relaxed ends off so that I can grow my hair back out. Yeah. And so I realized, but, and, and I think it's funny because she was like that a few years ago, but I think she's gradually starting to be more accepting. Both of my parents are with, you know, the way I dress and the way I appear because there was a point in time where they used to cover up my tattoos and photos. And uh, wow. I say, two years ago was the first time they had like, let me show my tattoos in the photos. Like they didn't airbrush it out. So they went through all the effort of literally airbrushing your tattoos. Well, cause they just wanted everybody to be more uniform. And I, I'm, okay. like, I'm kind of like the black sheep of the family in, gotcha. in some regards, because I'm the only one who does art, like really artsy things mm -hmm. outside of my cousin Brennan. And so I'm the only one who's like super, musical and you know kind of interested in different things like I listen and I want to play psychedelic music and my family does not care for that so you know what I mean it's just a lot of differences and they're like there's just a lot going on we're just there is a lot going on you know so that's kind of where I was and my family was kind of like that too but they well my parents really and my stepdad is like big in the church so they also mm -hmm. wanted it to be uniform because all the, the photos were going to all different parts of the world. So like it, our photos would go to Africa and Australia and got stuff, it, so, yeah. got it, got it. Okay. Um, what are some ways that you feel like you celebrate your queerness now and honor your queerness now? Um, I think I honor it now by understanding 
when I need to say that I'm gay and when I don't. Um, mm. For me, it, it used to be when I first came out, I would always tell people I'm gay. And it was as if, because you know, sometimes when you first come out, it feels like that's your entire identity. Yeah. And so you start letting everybody know, and that's all you seem to talk about because you've just discovered this new part of yourself. But now I'm understanding, you know, I don't need to say that here. It's not the safe space to do it, but maybe yeah. I can just, and then now I just casually bring it up. Like, you know, my girlfriend, yeah. or my partner and like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm intentional with the places that I apply to whenever I've had jobs, because as an adult, when I first worked at, um, I worked at this place called TOA, which was a medical office. And mm -hmm. I wasn't out there because the women that I worked with directly in my apartment, my department would say really homophobic things. We had a mm -hmm. trans patient once. And I remember they said something super inappropriate and disrespectful about them. And I remember trying my hardest to be as nice to them as I possibly could, because I didn't want that to be, I didn't want them to ever sense that people were being rude and talking about him. him sure, sure, yeah. Um, and then uh, when I got to, so then from there on, I just applied to jobs that I knew were openly gay or they had policies that enforced, you know, no, no uh, like not tolerating hate speech, so sure, to speak. Sure. And then um, I try to write, write music that's more inclusive because I have noticed that um, a lot of it is very gender specific. So people mm -hmm. will say girl or boy in songs. And I try to, you know, every now and then I'll be specific with the gender, but for the most part, I try to leave it very generic. So a lot of the songs on the album can be kind of interpreted towards a man or a woman. And my my writing partner that I work with, my music partner, Ben, he does the same thing. So a lot of the Got stuff it. that we write is very inclusive to all communities. Um, and then just showing up really in for in certain spaces and being there and available for certain people. And I think one way to really show up is to, um, to understand that not everybody is able to have the same journey you're on and they're not able to be open and out. So being a support system while also respecting that that person is not out. Um, now I try to be way more careful because I have accidentally outed someone before and I did mm. not mean to because I thought that they were already out. Yeah. Um, so being more cognizant of talking about people's sexual orientation or people I've seen them date or whatever, unless they've explicitly said, hey, I'm dating this person to more than one person. Like they're very open and vocal about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You listed off really great, <laughs> great <laughs> list. You know, I think some people take that in terms of how they express themselves or what they dress now. And you're saying very important things about your boundaries and your working environment and your relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really beautiful and really powerful. I think the last piece that you said in terms of respecting if people are out or not, you know, there seems to sometimes be a push when people have been out for a long time or didn't grow up in the same settings to just kind of be like, why aren't you out already? Or like, yeah. you can do it or kind of like pushing people or just not having the same empathy mm -hmm. or thinking that people are ashamed of themselves. Like, you know, some people could say like, why, why don't you come out all the time? Are you ashamed? It's like, no, actually, I just don't want to invite that energy into my space. Yeah. I was speaking with a friend the other day about, um, you not coming out to a certain family member. And it's not because necessarily that I was nervous or scared it's more so I don't really want to engage in that conversation with them and if I have a partner and they meet my partner then that's that will be that conversation you know mm -hmm. that it'll happen then it doesn't need to be this big moment because I've had big moments and some of them have been good and some of them I was like well that was kind of forced like I didn't really need to do that <laughs> you know yeah. like oh can you pass the rolls by the way I, I'm gay and you're like 
oh, this is, we're having a moment. Like I, this is kind of forced, you know? So that just comes with kind of maturity and comfortability and identity. Yeah. And and it's, you know, I know for myself that I could not be with someone who couldn't be out, but I also respect why someone wouldn't be able to come out because I do, I I know someone um, uh, who is Arab and Mm -hmm. they've said to me before that they will not come out to their family, which you know, that's very understandable when you come from that background because it's yeah. very religious, it's very restricted with yeah. certain things that they're willing to accept. And, you know, I know someone who's Afghani and he refuses to come out, but his family has made re- remarks to him before about his clothing. And I was like, you know, I think your family knows you're gay, but they just haven't said anything because you haven't confirmed it. Right. So, you know, sometimes you just have to be aware of where people are in terms of their journey and respect that. So, yeah, totally, totally. Well, um, Michaela, I'm so happy that you came on the show. I'm so excited you shared your photos and that you're, yeah, you're honoring your, your younger self and yourself today, um, with really tangible things and trying to find good workspaces and creating music that hopefully we can all listen to and feel connected to. Um, can you share a little bit about your, would you call yourself a band or duo, um, and where we can find you and all that? I guess we're a duo because we don't have a rhythm section, um, <laughs> but it's me and my friend Ben Palazzolo and uh, he does some vocals and he's mainly lead guitar and I do rhythm guitar and uh, lead vocals. We both write and our Instagram handle is real hot lives with a V. Um, and from there, you can find our link tree in the bio and that'll have links to, you know, Spotify and Apple music or whatever. Perfect. And um, yeah, we make, we're still figuring out our sound because, you know, we made this album without having a definitive rhythm section. So we had to pay a bass player and a drummer to come in and play with us. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we do. It's kind of like indie rock meets a little bit of psychedelic meets um, singer songwriter type stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Hopefully people enjoy it. Yeah. It's still, it's very soulful. It's very, yeah. There's like just a mixture of everything, which I love. I think, yeah, I love it. I really, really enjoy it. So I'm excited to see what y'all do and if you find future collaborators and add new sounds. I'm hoping so. I also, (laughs) I also have an Instagram handle called quiet storm sounds. Um, There's only one video on there right now, but it's um, I'm hoping to, it might not end up actually being at the end of the summer. It might be at the beginning of fall, but I'm creating like a beat tape that's kind of influenced by like Sade songs that you would hear on a Sade album or something. So that's just me by myself and Ben's playing a little bit on a couple of songs, but um, most of it is me creating all of this stuff. So. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Well, thank you again. I hope you have a great, yeah, we have a great time. (laughs) Yo, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. Uh, We're going to keep it consistent. I want to shout out our editor, Gia Kabarsi. Uh, who has stepped in and saved the day. I just can't edit the way I want to with grad school. Um, So I'm really, really thankful for her support. And if y'all want to donate to this cause, I'm going to try to figure out a way for people to donate because these interviews did cost some money with uh, Zoom. And uh, your girl's a college student again. So yeah, I'm going to figure that out. I'll drop that in the next episode or in the comments here and we'll figure out a way if you'd like to contribute a little dollar or two here or there. That'd be really, really helpful. Um, but 
yeah i just want to give y'all love and light this is my last week in my 20s i'm becoming 30 this week and um it's december it's the holidays and i just want to give love and light to everybody sometimes this can be a hard month or can be a really happy month and i just hope you feel my love and excitement around this time and hopefully you can share that with others okay y'all be good uh be safe peace